toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love you are listening to be the love to awaken our souls we are souls on the journey and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings We are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrienne Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. Namaste. My name is Nistella Joy Davy. This is Ron Interpreter, and you're listening to Be the Love Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Be the Love to awaken our souls. Thank you so much again for tuning in this week. I'm Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey with our special guest, Mary Firestone. We are your co-hosts and souls on the journey, and we are on a mission to raise the consciousness of humans and the planet, and we need your help. So please spread the word to your family and friends and join us each week. Consider becoming a Patreon supporter or a sponsor to help us with the operating costs like editing and the many hours we spend creating these shows with quality guests and content. And if you have resonated with our mission, support us in a way that raises your vibration to love. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a moment and get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you're ready to release in this now moment. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself, And imagine breathing that light and love and send it back to all of humanity, remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. If you haven't heard, we at Be The Love Podcast are so excited to announce the Awaken Your Soul Costa Rica retreat on November 6th through the 12th, 2023 at the Magical Sunshine Sanctuary a jungle boutique in the Montezuma Bay area. Our women's spiritual retreat is designed to raise your vibration with yoga, meditation, cacao ceremony, ecstatic dance, sound healing, a deep dive soul journey with ocean energy and authentic Costa Rican cuisine. We would absolutely love to have you join us in this beautiful location and experience. This is an intimate group setting with very limited availability. Check out the webpage with details and registration in our show notes. Register now for early bird pricing through May 1st, and we can't wait to connect with you. 
Our guest today is author Mary Firestone, who has a Master of Arts in Clinical Psychology and is on a mission to let others know they are not alone and there is light on the other side of the darkness of PTSD. Her latest book, Trusting the Dawn, published by Sounds True, is about the story of her survival and transformation through healing. It is an offering for survivor of all kinds of trauma. Mary draws from both her own real-life experiences and her background in clinical psychology and English to offer a radical integrative handbook for not only healing from trauma, but awakening to even more joy and meaning in life experiences. Mary, along with her sister Lucy, are co-founders of Firestone Sisters, Inc., which aims to provide others with healing and growth opportunities through experiences and products, including essential oil-based perfumes. They curate their Wild Precious Life retreats, which have featured well-known speakers such as Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Jennifer Freed, and Lauren Roxburgh. She currently resides in California with her family. Welcome to our show, Mary. So great to have you. Thank you both so much for having me. And let's just dive in. Can you tell us about your journey and what has led you down the spiritual path? Yeah, so I have always been interested in human development and psychology. And as you shared, I have my master's degree in clinical psychology. And I also during that time of um, working on that degree, had just moved to California from the East Coast and was exposed to energy healing and Reiki and yoga and all these other modalities for the first time and found, you know, such relief and a new layer of healing from a few instances of childhood sexual abuse that I'd been working on in therapy for years, but, you know, still felt some residual trauma in my body. Um, so that's what led to the retreats. My sister Lucy and I really wanted to bring all these different modalities to people to share what had been working for us in these beautiful locations. So that was kind of phase one of my journey. Phase two, which really, you know, I feel like everything I'd done up until the Montecito mudslide of 2018, when I had a near-death experience, which I can get into in a moment, but I felt like everything I had done leading up to that had sort of prepared me to survive that experience. Um, so the Montecito mudslide happened in January, 2018. We just had the five-year anniversary actually last week. And there was another massive storm in California on that exact day which was mm. triggering for me and the whole community really. And, you know, in that event in 2018, we, my family and I were not in an evacuation area. And at four o'clock in the morning, I woke up and saw a tidal wave of mud coming mm. directly to our house. Um, I screamed to my husband, oh my gosh, go get our son, our our son was four at the time. And I was also, and by the time my husband had run to go get our son on the second floor, the mud and debris, glass, furniture, and the whole wall had. So I had to run the other way. I ran to my bathroom window where I watched part of my children's bedrooms ripped off, spun around backwards with my son's bedroom window facing me. 
and I thought that he was in it. So for five hours, I was trapped. Um, I managed to, the mud stopped about an inch below my bathroom countertop where I, I huddled for five hours, wet from rain, soaked in this, you know, toxic mud trapped and thinking that basically everyone I knew was gone. So that experience was acutely traumatic and also like the prolonged trauma of being trapped. And then uh, my family did survive, by the way, that is very important to say. So (laughs) happily, we, we all survived. Many of my immediate neighbors did lose their lives. Um, So we were extremely lucky and I know that there's a spiritual slant that you all like to focus on that. And I have to say that, that I'd always believed in God and I'd prayed and, you know, I had a spiritual practice, but that night I felt a presence with me, a divine kind of presence. Um, And, you know, I had glimpses to some other dimension that was safe and expansive. And yeah, it just, there's no other way to, for me to explain how we survived other than there was some kind of divine protection with us that night. Mm. Wow. That sounds like just an incredible journey that you've been on and the experience of that and that you're now, yeah, experiencing or going through the the five-year anniversary um with all of that i can imagine just how triggering that would be for you and so yeah you know sounds like a, you know just the lot of trauma and and the um post traumatic stress that would cause mm-hmm. and and so i'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what that journey has been like for you with your own trauma through that experience yeah. So, you know, I had from my psychology background, I had an intellectual understanding of what PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder is. And yet it's so interesting. There was, you know, I, I had a lot of the symptoms of PTSD following that event. I, you know, I was having nightmares, a hard time sleeping. My digestion was kind of messed up. I was fearful of everything, um, that anything and everything could be a potential death threat kind of situation. So I was stuck in that like hyper vigilant state that, um, that is part of PTSD. Um, so it was interesting though. And like even panic attacks, I had a few panic attacks and instead of recognizing them for what they were, it was like, huh, am I getting sick? Did I eat something funny? Am I having heat stroke? You're like, no, I'm having a panic attack. So I think for me, there was this like recognizing it in myself. And then, I mean, I did know enough to find, seek healing pretty soon thereafter the event, especially being pregnant and being a mother to my four-year-old son. I really was incredibly motivated to, um, clean up my clean up to heal myself as much as possible. So I wouldn't be passing any of as little as possible to my children. So I, I did cranial sacral therapy pretty soon thereafter. I did EMDR. 
eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing therapy. Those are the first two things I did kind of right off the bat. But yeah, I found, you know, I went through the PTSD. And then about a year later, I really recognized that there was so much growth that was happening for me too, as a result of that intense contraction of trauma and kind of like being forced up against your mortality and how fragile we all are. And then it kind of led to this huge expansion for me and wanting to connect more fully with life and with spirit and with my loved ones. And um, so that's kind of what led to me writing this book of post-traumatic growth that goes through PTSD, but then to the other side of the growth. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, your personal experience and explanation. I would, I would love to like kind of inform our listeners Mm -hmm. just a little bit more, because I know there is somewhat of a misunderstanding for individuals. I mean, for me a while back before I really educated myself on PTSD, but I think many people only associate that with like military personnel Mm -hmm. or veterans. Like they think of like wartime experiences. They associate that only Mm -hmm. with PTSD. So can you kind of give us a glimpse within your work of clinical psychology, like other than veterans and military, which is, you know, is a really important, I guess, correlation. Like where else do you see people? You mentioned natural disasters and abuse. Mm -hmm. Where else do you see, you mentioned some of the symptoms as well Mm -hmm. that you see individuals um, being diagnosed with this or even struggling within some of those symptoms of PTSD? So first I, just to address like the populations, like PTSD really, yes, it can affect veterans and people that have been to war, people that have experienced natural disasters, any kind of abuse, but also, you know, divorce is a trauma that a lot of our population has experienced. So there can be PTSD resulting from the ending or an abusive relationship or a divorce, um, even in business, sometimes like a betrayal, um, secondary trauma, kind of like witnessing someone else's trauma can even result in symptoms of PTSD. So it can really, especially after, you know, going through this whole COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of us have been forced to kind of look at and wrestle with our own mortality and fragility. So for me, like trauma can be any time we're, we're faced with our own mortality. Um, symptoms of PTSD and what PTSD. So when we have a traumatic experience, we get a surge of adrenaline, which can be very adaptive and helpful when we're being chased by the lion and we need to run away or the tidal wave of mud or some kind of threatening person or presence. So that can be helpful in helping us survive that experience. PTSD is when we get stuck in that hypervigilant state, that hyper arousal. So we're um, unable to kind of return to our parasympathetic nervous system state of rest, digest, and relaxation. Um, so, so what that- would that hypervigilant state, look you know, like? what would that look like for a typical person. (laughs) Yeah. So that would look like, you know, trouble sleeping, 
nightmares, the digestion issues, which I think a lot of us kind of dismiss or write off, including myself, like, oh, I must have eaten something. Oh, I must be gluten intolerant. Oh, I might. And it's like, well, actually, we might just be literally trying to digest hard feelings and emotions and experiences. Um, it, it also, it's that hypervigilant state that I mentioned, like kind of being perpetually worried, fearful, anxious. So those are all symptoms of PTSD. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's good to recognize too, that people, um, you know, living in these states, right. They don't necessarily name it as PTSD. Right. And so I am a a psychotherapist as well. And I, so I see this in my practice a lot and they're like, Oh, I didn't know I had this trauma or I don't, didn't know that like this was, you know, a big deal. And, and so, and, but then to realize that we don't have to live like that, you know, and so, and there's a way out and we can, you know, begin to that healing process and empowering ourselves to, to work through those experiences rather than being a victim of those experiences. And so I'd love to hear your take on that. Like how, how can one really, you know, take their power back after such an experience like that and not become a victim of it? I love that. And I'm just reminded of one of the women I interviewed for my book is a therapist, Dr. Edie Eager. She's written Mm -hmm. two books called The Gift and the Choice. She's in her 90s now, and she's a Holocaust survivor. And she's incredible. She's had Mm -hmm. a practice in La Jolla for decades now. But one of the things she says is that victimization is a part of life. Like part of being alive is that we will experience pain and suffering and being victimized in one way or another. Victimhood is a choice. Hmm. So, you know, we move through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't set up camp there, which I just kind of loved. And I'm like, okay, if you can do this, then like, I'm pretty sure I, I can do this. And like to, to your listeners, like, you can do this too, you know, and it's how do we, I think that's a really good question. Like, and I think the first thing is recognizing the choice and the way that we're telling the story of what happened to us. Um, One thing that I, one shift that I work to make as often as possible is not why is this happening to me or why did this happen to me, but how did this happen for me? And, you know, even I had a therapist at the very beginning who I worked with on the EMDR, my story of the mudslide was, I almost died. Everyone I love almost died, you know, and this got destroyed and I lost everything. And just in this subtle shift of, you know, I survived the mudslide. Everybody that I love survived the mudslide. I used my voice to wake up my family, to keep them safe. I'm, you know, participating in my healing and I'm sharing my, you know, experiences with others to help them. I think it's starting to become aware of our inner dialogue around the trauma and then like casting yourself more as the active survivor rather than the passive victim. That was one thing that really helped me kind of shift initially. Yeah. I think our stories can, um, really 
be against us or for us. And so being more self-aware, at least that's how part of my um, healing journey has also showed up. And interestingly enough, through my digestion, um, (laughs) and I can really identify that with with myself and, and those that I help as an Ayurvedic coach of, you know, maybe, maybe it's just not the gluten you're eating. Maybe it's, maybe there's something else tied, like you said, that we are digesting some of those really intense emotions. Uh, And so it's interesting how, how the symptoms can show up for different people, because I'm sure it's not always the exact same things. Uh, I'm really curious about these mystical therapies that you, you mentioned in your book, what are those exactly? And how can they help us heal from trauma? In my own healing, and then in the book, I kind of recognized that there was like these different places or dimensions almost that the trauma was stored or that I could address my trauma. And the first thing, you know, having the background in the psych was like, okay, intellectually and like in my mind and the story and the talking it out and those more traditional therapies. And then I found like, whoa, okay but I still have these sensations and feelings in my body. And I would still have like that, those kind of trauma responses of the racing heartbeat and the sweaty palms or what have you. Um, So physical therapies. And then I had my whole life (laughs) change shifted, opened up through um, these mystical therapies. And also there there's a big range of them that I explored. And then I tried one thing that, that really helped me was, um, ketamine therapy, which is a psychedelic drug. And I just want to say that I was like the biggest goody two shoes in the whole world. I <laughs> grew up in Washington, DC in the eighties with like, you know, Nancy Reagan, just say no to drugs. Like that was my, <laughs> my, um, my youth and as bad at smoking pot. I just like the drugs were not for me. So the fact that I, you know, I found a psychiatrist in Santa Barbara, Dr. Jeff Becker, and I explored the ketamine therapy with him, which really helped me get to a whole different dimension. Um, ketamine is a site as the gentlest but the most powerful psychedelic. It's the only legal psychedelic in the United States. And yeah, it really, that helped me kind of quiet this part of the brain and jump into a whole other dimension. So that is, we can go deeper on that. That's a whole conversation. Root Healing is a team of Masoka Buiti science, medical, and hospitality professionals committed to providing safe and effective holistic healing services with Iboga. They pair the profound traditional way of holding Buiti ceremonies with Western medical practices to ensure a safe and transformative experience. At Root Healing, they are dedicated to helping you heal, let go of the past, and discover the truth of who you are. Their hope is that Iboga can end your healing journey so that you can focus on enjoying the gift of life and being fully present in it. The mission is led by the core values of tradition, safety, study, reciprocity, equitable access, and comprehensive care, which ensures professional, effective, ethical, and responsible healing. 
Root Healing offers traditional Buiti Iboga retreats, Iboga detoxes, and specialized treatments in the locations of Sintra, Portugal, full-time, and Chiang Mai, Thailand, several times a year. Visit rootheeling.com to learn more, and you can see the link in our show notes for more details. I do want to say too, because, you know, I actually, I just started working with ketamine therapy myself as a practitioner and, and it's, um, it's such a beautiful thing. It's something I never thought I would get into, first of all, you know, because it was, um, I, I'm more naturally focused. And so it was, you know, something I just kind of resisted for a really long time, but I went through the training and, um, but it, it really does help because we can't, you know, heal trauma, uh, through the mind, through the, you know, thinking. And so when we're, when we go into that space, it just perpetuates those feelings. So the ketamine really does help to dive deeper into, you know, the psyche goes past the ego defenses. And then we're able to, yeah, have those deeper healing experiences and, you know, go through the mystical. So I, I love that. I think it's a beautiful tool um, that, you know, can really help support. And I've seen some amazing healing transformations with it. Yeah, it's really powerful. And, you know, again, I think Stacey, it's like doing it. I know there are these like ketamine bars popping up. Like that's not what we're talking about. Mm -mm. We're talking about like working with someone who is trained and, you know, you do your, um, before work and then you have the journey and then you do the, you know, kind of integration work too. Um, but I found that just to recognize like, Ooh, there's so much more happening than we're aware of in our three-dimensional reality. There's so much connection and love and beauty. And so that was a huge tool, um, that I used. And then there's also, if, if, if you don't want to take a drug, holotropic breath work is, mm. is another mm -hmm. way to kind of induce that state without taking anything, just using your own breath. Mm -hmm. um, I loved that. And I almost found those experiences almost as equally powerful. So I loved that. And then I spoke with three different shamans which is a whole other mystical realm. And mm. I will say with shamanism, I think you want to be careful with who you work with. There's mm -hmm. a lot of people calling themselves shaman right now. And some of the different shamanic practices derive from voodoo or black magic, which I would just be careful of. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's see what else. Any meditation? I was going to ask you about like, what was your your takeaway from working with shamans? Like if you, if you were to sum it up or if there was some like main highlights, like how, how did that contribute to your healing? Well, one of them in particular was really, really powerful. Well, they were all powerful in different ways, but I think I was kind of the most vulnerable and raw with the first one I saw um, that I really got to work deeply with he broached this idea of initiation. And actually I asked then all of them, I had like a Jungian psychotherapist to be like, you've been initiated. I, and I had these shaman telling me I'd been initiated and, you know, Joe Dispenza, the meditation teacher talk about initiation with trauma. And it was kind of like, what initiated to what? <laughs> and 
in some of the shamanic traditions, they call it an initiation when you face your own death. And they think of it as being kind of reborn to another dimension or another like understanding or, you know, realm. So I thought that was kind of empowering in a way. And I, and I, I, like a different maybe word or conceptual understanding of resilience that is something I really talk a lot about in the book of, and really wanting to impart to trauma survivors. Like you are not permanently damaged or cursed Mm -hmm. because of what you've been through, but through the healing, you are actually more connected, more resilient, more capable than you were before. So I think maybe these different terms, and that was something cool that I thought from exploring my healing from so many different avenues was how there's so many similar themes that are maybe mm-hmm. set in a different way. Like a shaman may call it initiation, a therapist may call it resilience, but you know. Yeah. And, and to recognize though, that we're not our traumas, right? And so I think we, you know, Sometimes we can get stuck in that story of like, well, this happened to me and, you know, and, and so, but to recognize that we can tap into the larger part of like our existence. And I think that can be really helpful to create maybe more of an expansive view of, you know, our, our experiences and what, why maybe we've experienced what we've experienced and how it can help our journey. Absolutely. And so I'm wondering, like, yeah, what um, is, is there anything you can share about, like, how one might be able to tap into those other dimensions and, and what was helpful for you if, on that path? Well, yeah, I mean, I think if you are a good place to start, maybe would be, I mean, meditation is kind of the easiest place to start, I think, in and getting to another state, you know, they call it if we're usually in our, the alpha beta states, but getting to like the theta and the gamma brainwave states, Joe Dispenza has a ton of material written about Mm -hmm. this, um, and a lot of recordings, uh, recorded meditations. And I think he's a great resource. There's a lot. Tara Brock also is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, but So meditation is a great way to begin to practice, I think, getting into different states of consciousness. So I would maybe like start there and then go to the holotropic breath work, which is good to do with somebody who's trained in it. It was um, created or founded by um, a Czech psychologist named Dr. Stanislav Grof, who had been using psychedelic drugs in his practice in in the Czech Republic before he moved to the United States where it's illegal. So he and his wife had to come up with another legal way of accessing those other states of consciousness. So the holotropic breath work, I would say that would be like my step two. And then if you are interested in exploring beyond that, I would look research a ketamine, you know, a, a, a doctor to do ketamine therapy with, I mean, psychedelic mushrooms, I don't write about that in the book. I think that can be a little trickier because you're never quite sure on the dosing or what's going to happen, but that's another tool. Prayer is a very, (laughs) that one, you don't need to do anything, (laughs) you know, pray and connect. But 
I also recognize that there are people that have trauma around the church. And mm-hmm. so if that is a trigger for you, then, you know, steer clear of that one. And I think to prayer can mean anything for, you know, what, what you're praying to and, and how that resonates for you, whether or not, you know, it comes from, yeah, the church or the religious trauma that is embedded, I think, in a lot of people that, you know, they're, they're struggling to get out of the church, but, um, but yeah, like prayer, like, what does that mean for, for, for you and, and taking that back as well, um, as a sense of empowerment? Absolutely. I found my own journey with that, like being raised as, you know, going to an Episcopal all-girls school and the National Cathedral School, actually, Hmm. Um, doesn't get more churchy than that. Uh, (laughs) You know, and really having a, there was a pretty, it was pretty formal too. And then as I grew up, so having a connection to God or spirit and prayer, but then as I got older and was exposed to all different kinds of religions and modalities and recognizing that it's more for me more spiritual than religious Mm -hmm. and I love what you said about like what are you praying to like is it just could be your higher higher self could be nature could be the universe could be God could be whatever you you know feels right Mm -hmm. now thank you for taking us through these kind of steps of meditation breath work and then other plant medicine therapies. I, I do think there's can definitely be a lot of potential for growth and learning from the traumas and when we're ready for it. Um, yeah. I think it takes time. And as much as our instant gratification culture would like it to happen like yesterday, uh, I think just to realize that it it goes in a divine timing and process. But I do, I really believe we are resilient and we can have so many growth opportunities. And, and you mentioned that earlier in our conversation. So tell me more about your experiences, whether personal or, or with clients around the growth opportunities of moving through trauma. Yeah, I, I do just want to echo what you're saying about the timing and also recognize like that we're not failing at our healing it, it doesn't always go like that. You know, I say we, it rarely does. Like, exactly. Rarely, I mean, mine's been this up and down tidal wave. And I mean, it's a slow progression upward, but there are the dips. So are the, the hills and valleys are a natural part of a healing journey, I think. I think you're absolutely right. And I, every, when I dip, it's like, ooh, what else is there here? Okay. There's like, there's another opportunity here. I guess there's something else I haven't looked at. And, and in the timing too, you know, recognizing that um, you might try something and it might be like, whoa, this isn't, it might not be the right thing for you period, or it just might not be the right time. And that's another thing too. I just want to mention that although my book and a lot of my messaging is about the post-traumatic growth and focusing on the reframe and the, the growth opportunities. I, I don't mean that we should skip over the hard feelings. And um, although actually that would be my tendency and preference too, to be like, I just want to go over there. But <laughs> when we try to do that, those feelings and emotions, they like leak out and sneak out and, and mm-hmm. unhelpful ways. So <laughs> as well, just like honor them, sit with them. I'm a big journal 
person, write it down, get it out, um, speak about it with a friend, a loved one, a therapist. But um, I think that then helps lead us to the growth because with the first thing I think in order to get to our growth is identifying that something is like not working or, you know, this is, um, this is becoming like a loop or this is, you know, I'm caught up in this suffering cycle or whatever it is, or having these hard feelings. But until we kind of identify that there's something that we want to work on, then we can't get to the growth. So I would say that, and then we move along to the growth and recognizing, I think for me too, and other people that I spoke with, like, wow, like life is fragile and so much more beautiful because of it. And while we are resilient, it's still, you know, it's fleeting, it's fragile. So the intensity of like connecting with the beauty all around us, the beauty in other people, the ability to empathize in a whole different way because of what you've been through. Um, those are different angles of the, of the growth that I've experienced and I've seen other people experience. Yeah. I think, you know, and I think it's really important to, like you said, you know, working on the, the hard stuff, right. Cause we can't just have the light. And I think there's like the, we also live in this culture of, you know, suppressing emotions or just trying to get to the light, you know? And, and so it's the, that, the hard stuff that really will make it worth it and to, you know, fully like heal from those traumas. And so I'm wondering too, if you could talk a little bit more about, you know, so when, when we're coming into this place of growth and we find we've, we're finding the, the gifts, gifts and the, you know, opportunities, the lessons, you know, that came from the trauma, like how would one know that they've healed from those traumas? Well, I think that the healing is ongoing and that's something that I realized and kind of been talking to other survivors too. It's like, and probably you guys too, it's like, it's like, heal, check, I'm done with that one. <laughs> like, you know, it is, as we're saying, it's kind of like ongoing. I will say, you know, they're just in this last massive storm that happened on the anniversary of the mudslide. And I was like dashing around in the rain my underneath my house flooded and we lost heat and you know so like trying to protect my property and also dealing with like all the feelings that the evacuation orders were triggering mm -hmm. and the torrential rain was triggering I think you know I did have anxiety responses come up which felt though when I the next day I'm like okay but those were appropriate you know I did cry but also appropriate and so it was kind of like, whoa, okay, I just got a massive test and I see how much all these different, how much this healing journey has helped me and how far I've come. Mm -hmm. And an interesting thing I noticed though, which I wonder if you guys have noticed this too in your work was, you know, I had an acute trauma and other um, friends or people that I know that had had acute traumas in that experience seemed uh to kind of handle or move through last week's storms differently than certain friends that kind of had secondary trauma by being witnesses to the acute trauma and my guess is that when we have an acute trauma we're more like okay we got to heal we got to go to therapy we got to go work on this 
but the it's almost like the secondary trauma experiencers I'm just made up that term but <laughs> they they don't haven't gone through the healing because they're like no I'm good I just you know I just like bore a witness so I think again back to our beginning of the conversation like if we're having symptoms, that's a sign, no matter what your mm-hmm. degree of trauma was that to go and seek help and kind of start working on it and moving yeah. it through. Mm-hmm. I, I can definitely identify with definitely with that. Like for me personally, it was this like deep knowing, like this heart set knowing that I am more resilient than I thought that I was. And look, I'm empowered. I know these tools or people that I can turn to, to help me move a little bit more quickly when another acute trauma comes. And so I felt like I could do it. Like I just had this, like, yeah, I can totally do this. Like I can do this. I can move through it without it totally going into freeze mode uh, Mm -hmm. or, you know, that fight or flight. So I felt like I really did embody resiliency. And then for me, what I've noticed is I'm much more, I'll just say, okay with, I'm not like perfect at this with pushing myself out of my comfort zone more Mm. so than I think other individuals who are, who haven't done some of the, the inner work Mm -hmm. or just, you know, haven't done as much of the depth work that I chose Mm -hmm. to do. And so I can find, you mentioned expansion, like I'm able to expand um, outside of my, whether it's emotional or, you know, mental comfort zone a little bit more. And there's, there's just a really sense of empowerment within that. And again, as we mentioned, it comes at its own perfect timing, you know, and I think definitely does. Yeah. I wonder, sorry, I'm just, you're making me thinking about this idea of expansion. And I don't know if you all resonate with this, but I noticed kind of in doing all of this work, who I'm around in different experiences. Like I'm so aware now of my, if I'm around certain people or situations of like feeling like this or feeling Mm -hmm. like expanded, like, Mm -hmm. Ooh, this is like a good energy, good person to be, to surround myself with or a good, you know, setting or what have you. So Mm -hmm. I think that's another way, another growth opportunity is, um, really paying more attention to the cues that our body and spirit is get, are giving us when we're in certain situations or with certain people. Mm-hmm. Do we feel contracted or do we feel expanded and pay attention to it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, you know, even going through my own experiences in life, my own traumas really has led me to be more connected to my body and recognizing, and even as an empath too, you know, taking on other people's energies and just being really aware of that and, and how, you know, I am impacted by the people that are, you know, that are around me or that I choose to to spend time with. And yeah, and that can really impact, you know, how our energy is contracted or expanded in so many ways. And, and also recognizing like, when we do connect with our own energy, and we're connected to our bodies and feeling those emotions, you know, the hard emotions, you know, that's just energy in motion, right? And so when we feel that we can move through it and then also create more expansiveness within ourselves mm-hmm. um, as we're moving through that own energy. And I love playing with that energy to create more expansiveness. So, 
you know, trauma in and of itself can be very constrictive, but we have to go through those emotions to get to the other side to feel the more expansive feelings and emotions as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of like to say in the, you know, the title of my book is trusting the dawn that, you know, Mm. the dawn always comes, the light Mm. always comes, but you know, if it never got dark, then we wouldn't know when it was light. So that's something I kind of tell myself, like, let's not be afraid of these dark feelings because they will pass. and, And they're all part of our humanness. We have to, and, you know, we can't get out of life unscathed and we have to, you know, that if there's one thing that's going to follow us through life, it's our emotions. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, Mary, tell us, um, you know, as you're doing the work that you're doing and your vision for your book, um, you know, I, we love asking this question, you know, how do you see this as working on healing the the world, the, you know, people, what's your macro vision for the work that you do? It's a good question. Good question too, for starting the year off, right? Um, (laughs) Well, I think, you know, a big reason that I wanted to write this book and have these conversations and um, share my story was just to to let other people know that they're not alone and that, you know, it's possible to, to come out the other side and to have the growth. And it was, you know, just amazing getting to interview so many different kinds of trauma survivors and, and hear and share their stories. Um, So I think, you know, that that's a big goal for me is to like reach the person that, you know, I'm lucky. I live in Santa Barbara. There's a lot of this kind of conversation is not, you know, um, there's a, there's a lot more, there's openness. There's a lot of facilitators and healers and practitioners that I've access to. And I imagine like, I don't know, the woman in the middle of the country where these kinds of conversations are not as common, or there's not as much access to this kind of healing. So to provide some kind of platform and community for, um, for all people, but especially people in those kinds of populations. I'm actually recording a video series that I'm going to offer on my website that people can download and, you know, follow along. Um, So again, there's like this sense of you're not alone, you're connecting and the the one-on-one sessions too, that I offer in terms of what healing have you done? What would be a good match for moving forward on the next step and stage of your healing journey? Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Mary. This has been just an amazing conversation. And as we wrap up, uh, please tell our listeners where they can find you and what you're currently working on. So I have uh, my own website, which is maryfirestone.co, not com. Um, (laughs) And then my sister and I for our retreats and our um, essential oil-based perfumes that are all, I have a whole chapter in the book on aromatherapy is firestonesisters.com. So those are on our website and they're also on mine. Um, and on Instagram, I'm at trusting the dawn 2022 and, um, firestone sisters. And we're working on, you know, the video series will be out soon. The book's available. We have retreats coming up and the perfumes are available too. 
Well, thank you so much, Mary, for this beautiful conversation. And I just want to echo that, you know, just to let listeners know that you are not alone. If there's, you know, anything you're struggling with, you know, there's support out there and lots of tools and resources. So they're available to you. And thank you so much for listening to Be The Love podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to our show, please share the love by sharing it with your family and friends, giving us a five-star written review on iTunes and Spotify, or liking us on Facebook. And please consider supporting our mission to awaken our souls with a monthly donation that really helps the operating costs of this podcast. To contribute, visit our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast and stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Time. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphic. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining.